we are starting right in on the teaching part of this since we got a few more scriptures to read than usual. Just in review, as we look at the uh, some of the things we've covered before, the requirements of a New Testament pe- uh, priest, we went over this, um, I think, about two weeks ago. I just want to read them for you again as we had covered them. Number one was that there was rankings and levels. That just as there were different priests, different levels of priests in the Old Testament, there are rankings and levels in the New Testament. And we went over some of the things that talked about the rankings and levels that went on and that we should desire, of course, greater things in the gifts, but uh, that God would call us to different ones. And if he called us to be a um, pastor or teacher, just because we want to be something higher, like an apostle or something like that, that doesn't mean that we, we just go there. We go where we're called. Uh, teaching was uh, was another responsibility of a priest, even uh, if you're not a called to be a teacher, we are all called to teach. Uh, purity, that we are called to just, as the Old Testament priests, we're called to maintain their um, purity for, for service. We are also exhorted to do the same thing in Ephesians 4. We saw that. Uh, the sacrifice of praise, we saw in Hebrews chapter 13, and also in Jeremiah 33, verse 11. Service to God is another one of our priest duties. We saw that in Romans 12 and 1, 9, 3 through 4, and John 16, 1 through 3. That we are to walk in love, and that's Romans 13, 8. And you can find other responsibilities as well, but these are the main ones that I was I was finding as we, we went through this. We looked at some Old Testament trouble that they had, and first thing we saw was uh, leadership. They had trouble with leadership, Aaron and Miriam. Of course, they were, you know, we hear from God too. And that was going on. The rank or place in ministry. We saw the sons of Korah, who they decided that they uh, wanted to be in a different rank or place than what they were called to. There was corruption. Eli, Hophni, and Phine- Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phineas, that they had corruption went in the ministry and they didn't necessarily deal with it. And then Jeroboam brought in the part with the calling that uh, God had made priests out of the sons of Levi. He decided to make priests out of everybody. And so those were some of the problems that we saw that they came from the priest, uh, priest line. Just um, not any, any problems, just the problems that came from that. So we put up on your Facebook for you. Maybe you put some thought to it. We had a couple of comments that were, that were good. What, what did God look for first? As far as qualifying for a priest, what is it that God looked for first? What is the first qualification that we can see from the, from the Word of God on that? So we looked at, we gave you some of the names here. Melchizedek, of course, is the first priest that we see in the Word of God. And what qualifications did we see from the Word of God for Melchizedek that brought him into a place of priest? Not a single one, did we? Nothing at all. We have no idea how he qualified to be priest. The, the next priest we saw in the Old Testament was Jethro. And what do we have from the Word of God that tells us how Jethro qualified to be priest? Not a single thing, is it? There, we have no idea how he qualified to be priest. Uh, nothing at all. No idea. So those are the first two priests that we have in the, in the Word of God. So then we go up to the, the next one that we have, and that would be the Levites. The Levites. And what qualified the Levites to be priests? And here's where we have the first qualification of a priest. The first Made a, the first made part of any qualification process were the Levites. You may want to get your blank there on that. In Numbers chapter 3, verse 12, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. Up until then, the plan of God had been that the firstborn of every family would be given to the Lord. And there was a buyback process that you could do as well. But the firstborn would go into the service of the Lord. So have you ever heard that the oldest... Uh, the oldest son of the of the house was the priest. That's where it came from. That was originally how it was going to be. And then God said, all right, forget that. We're just going to go to the Levites. And do you all remember the story where this happened? Now, it's not a blank on your outline, but I left a blank here in this section. If you want to write this down, because I figured if I wrote it down, it would give it away. So I didn't write it down. <laughs> but Exodus 32, verse 15, let's read this. And Moses turned and went down the mountain. And the two tablets of testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, but the noise of the cry of defeat. Nor nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. 
So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. He cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in fire, ground it in powder, scattered it on the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. Then Moses, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know, I think it already had. But anyway, you know the people and that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man be put, every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp. And let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. So that's the story that we have. This is what brought the Levites into the place of being priest. What is um, interesting to say here, or see here, is that the Moses comes and he says, Who is on the Lord's side, not who will be? Which seems to indicate that Levi was not participating in the things that had gone on. But understand the story. I wanted to read all this to you so it's all fresh in your mind. Here is the story. Moses comes down. He does not come down and says, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites come out. He comes down. He shows how mad he is. He breaks the tablets. He goes over. He takes the golden calves, grinds them up in the, in the gold, makes everybody drink it. And then he says, who's on the Lord's side? So after he goes through all this process, and of course he exhorts Aaron as well, you know, what are you doing with all this, uh, letting the people do this to you? And just to refresh you on your memory in case anybody hasn't heard this, but you know that when Moses went up on the mountain, he left Aaron and her in charge. When he came down, only Aaron is there. So the rebellion was so bad, they probably lost her. He probably got killed in the process because you never hear of her again. He went from a prominent place of leadership to not even being mentioned in Scripture. And just Aaron is there. So they probably killed her and threatened Aaron with death as well if he didn't comply. And so he, uh, he gave in instead of dying. Her did not. He probably had a little bit more backbone than, than Aaron did. We assume. But again, we weren't there. We're just kind of putting things together and uh, what happened. But it is interesting how prominent her was before this incident and how he is completely gone from the uh, records after this. But Moses does not mention anything about his death. Kind of uh, interesting why that would be. So here's the qualifications of the priest that we see here. So again, answer the call of who is on the Lord's side. In case you're looking for that blank. They, the Levites are the ones who answered the call. Who is on the Lord's side? So by answering that call, here's the thing. We only, I only found three, three um, qualifications out of this. The first one is they forsook false worship and carnality. Because what the children of Israel were doing in worshiping these golden calves was very carnal. As uh, indicated by Moses. They, so they had to forsake the false worship and the carnality. That would be the first thing. When Moses made the call, they stood up for the Lord. But there was a third thing. Because they are not selected to be priests yet. He says, who is on the Lord's side? And they, the, the entire tribe, I still think that is amazing. The entire tribe of Levi came to them and no one else from all the other tribes came. I just don't know how you do that. And in a random crowd, you would think there'd be some from here and some from there and some from here and they'd just all come together. That's not how it was. One entire tribe came out. Now, the first two were before Moses was... Uh, was The uh, first two things they did was before Moses was on the scene. They resisted the carnality and the false worship. Um, I'm sorry, the, the first one, the last two, is when Moses came down. Mis, uh, misread that. Then when he calls who's on the Lord's side, we have that the um, 
the Levites showed up, and then he gives them a commission. So they accepted a commission. So they all come on out. And we, we've told you before, the estimates are that there's between two and four million people. So if Levi is just an average-sized tribe, take an average one-twelfth of that. And, if, and then you're just looking at the men that are there. And he says, take your swords and go out there and kill your brethren. And it was just 3,000 plus that died. It doesn't seem like they're just going out there to kill their brethren. It seems like you were here. This is my idea on this thing. You were here. You know who was responsible. Who instigated this? And go get them. Because they were there. And so they, they knew who was involved. And so they went to the, the uh, entrances. And they were looking for certain people. And when they found them, the ones who instigated this, they, uh, they killed them. And they just uh, cut them up. And that, that was it. So you go into the tent. You got the, the moms, the kids. And if it's the dad, probably. I don't think they were killing the moms and the kids. It was more the dads that are going to be the leadership ones that are going to do this. And they would uh, either take them out and kill them or, or something. But only 3,000 died. So it's not even like every man killed one. They're very selective in this process. But they accepted the commission to go out and to do this. So here's what we have for qualification. They forsook canality and false worship. They stood up for the Lord and they accepted the um, commission that was given to them by Moses. That was it. Now, how many would you think for a priest, you would think of things like, well, they knew the word. That'd be a good qualification for a priest. Um, they were good at, at staying and doing what God says to do. That would be a good qualification for a priest. We could probably come up with a lot of different qualifications for a priest. I don't know that we would have come up with these, but these were God's. At least for this is what he, he looked at. He looked at the group of people. They apparently didn't get involved because he says, who is on the Lord's side? And these are the, the, the people who came out. So apparently all this stuff was going on and, um, and they didn't participate. Now I put this note on the bottom here. You can fill this in if you want. Does this mean they kept their gold? Because you remember the children of Israel brought their gold to make the golden calf. So if the children of Levi did not participate, did they keep their gold? In which case they're richer than the rest of them are. <laughs> they didn't have to drink their gold, I guess. And I wonder if Moses made them, made them uh, involved in the drinking. Because he says after they get done all that, to uh, who's on the Lord's side. But uh, anyway, we have to wait till we roll the videotape to get a chance to see that. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet for more evident, it is yet far more evident in the likeness of Melchizedek that arise, there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of the endless life. So the law did not qualify a priest. There was nothing in the law that would qualify a priest. That would say you were going to be a priest. God God called them. God said we're going to set you guys apart. And that was done apart from the law. When Moses got the law later on, he got the law about the, the Levites. But that was not part of the law. But they were qualified by being born in the tribe of Levi. So after this incident there, anyone born in the tribe of Levi, they're qualified. If you are not born in the tribe of Levi, you're not qualified. So after we got through the initial qualification of those three things, from that point on, you are qualified by birth. If you're born in the tribe of Judah, no priest. Didn't matter how you lived your life, no priest, because you were not born there. And that's how it went on through. That's how it continued to go. So Levi was not called, appointed, or qualified to be a priest. Levi himself, he was one of the twelve. He actually did some things that disqualified him from, 
from some stuff. Remember the anger of him and his brother? They went out and, and slaughtered the, the men of another uh, village. And uh, that kind of disqualified him from the kingship. So the kingship kept on being passed down. They, um, they were kind of angry people. They were mad because they uh, did something they shouldn't have done to their sister. So they killed them. <laughs> uh, but his descendants were the ones appointed by God. So even though Levi himself was not called, appointed, or qualified to be a priest, his descendants did become that way uh, many hundreds of years later. It was not an, e- an initial. So Jesus was born a king, but he was appointed to be a priest. You are not appointed to be a king. You're born to be a king. You have to be born into lineage, which Jesus was. The Bible takes great pains to make sure that we know that Jesus was of the lineage of David. Not only was he of the lineage of David through his father Joseph, he was of the lineage of David through his mother Mary. He had that, They went back both directions so that you could see. One genealogy takes it back one direction. The other one takes it on the other. So we can see no matter which way you want to follow this, Jesus was of the tribe of David. But he was born a king and he was appointed a high priest. Now look at Psalms 110 verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing. Verse 4 is the part that talks about Melchizedek. Um, oh, you know what? I put it in my... Put, let me pull it up for you. Pull it up for me on the screen. I'm going to read the whole thing here from the New King James and then I'm going to read it to you from another translation. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of... No, don't go on here just a minute. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it didn't make sense to me either. All right, go on to verse 3. Your, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Does that make sense to you? No. It's kind of tough to understand this, isn't it? Verse uh, 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. We're going to keep going. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. And he shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. Now go back to verse 1 again. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now we all know this verse of scripture. Why? Because Jesus quoted it in the New Testament to say to the Pharisees, why does David call him his Lord if he's his son? And they couldn't answer that question and so they didn't ask him any more questions. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. What we're looking at in that verse is still going on. And it's taken about 2,000 years so far. So we know that Jesus, once he was crucified, he can walk down here on the earth for a while, ministered, then he went up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for us. So he's, he's uh, supposed to sit at my right hand till I make God, till I make your enemies your footstool. Go on to verse 2. Now, this is the one and the ones that seems kind of strange. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. So I pulled it over from another translation. This is from the New Century Version. I'm going to start at verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit by me at my right side until I put your enemies under your control. That's about pretty much the same thing that we, we read. But look at verse 2, how it goes. The Lord will enlarge your kingdom beyond Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? The Lord will enlarge your kingdom beyond Jerusalem. Now, the New Century Version is a translation. It is not a paraphrase. The Lord will enlarge your kingdom beyond Jerusalem and you will rule over your enemies. Now, what this is speaking about here is that when he goes and he sits down at the right hand of the Father, that his kingdom will be enlarged beyond Jerusalem or basically, folks, beyond the Jewish people. We are looking at the church age in which the Gentiles are brought into it as well. All right, go on to verse 3. Your people will join you on your day of battle. Your people will join you in your day of battle. Now look at this. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. (laughs) Which is more clear. Your people will join you on your day of battle. Whose day of battle? 
Jesus' day of battle. Who is joining him on his day of battle? The day of the Lord. The saints. Your people. <laughs> we're all the Old Testament, New Testament saints. We're all coming together. And we're all coming down to fight this battle with them. I don't think there's much for us to do. But we're coming down with them. And he's going to take care of this all. But we're, your people will join you on your day of battle. This is the prophecy of David. Isn't this amazing? The amount of detail that David has. That we have other books that are written about this. He's got it all right there in the, in the prophecy. Your people will join you on your day of battle. You have been dressed in holiness from birth. And you have the freshness of a child. Verse 4. The Lord has made a promise and will not change his mind. He said you are a priest forever. A priest like Melchizedek. When it talks about repenting, it talks about changing your mind. The Lord is beside you to help you. When he becomes angry, he will crush kings. What happens in the day of the Lord? Kings are wiped out. Nations are destroyed. And he will become angry. We hear that it's a day of wrath. He will judge those nations, filling them with dead bodies. And he will defeat rulers all over the world. The king will drink from the brook on that day. Then he will be strengthened. That's just the prophecy of David. But boy, he got a lot of different things in there pretty uh, succinctly, didn't he? I don't know that he knew all that he was saying, but he wrote it down. And Jesus thought enough of it that he quoted the verse, the first uh, verse. And Hebrews thought enough of what he did that he brought in the fourth verse. Verse 15 again in uh, Hebrews. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly command, but according to the power of an endless life. Again, this priest would die. Jesus Christ is not. Verse 17. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath. He was not made. He was, he was a priest who was made with an oath. God gave a promise. You will be priest after the order of Melchizedek, back in the days of David. No priest of Aaron was ever made priest by an oath. There was no oath that was given. God never said, I will make you a priest. It came to them because of their birth, because of their lineage. He never said, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, I'm going to make priests out of Levi. There was no oath ever given in relationship to the priesthood of Aaron. God never said, I will make, I will make Levites the priest. Until there was disobedience and who was on the Lord's side, these guys were, they were blessed with it. And then he said, you will only make priests out of the tribe of Levi. But there was no oath that was given beforehand that said, this is what I'm going to do. It was done after the fact. And so what we're having here is that all these thousands of years before Jesus is, is born, or, uh, back in the days of David, that this was prophesied, this was, uh, God gave the oath. I will make you a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So he's the only priest who comes to the office of a priest by an oath. He came to the office of king by birth. He came to the office of priest, not by birth. Because he's going to go on and talk about this. Judah, there's nothing mentioned about Judah being a priest. And he's of the tribe of Judah. Both sides are from the tribe of Judah. So there's absolutely nothing about his birth in relationship to being priest. But there was an oath. And that's what God had said. For they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So he repeats that two times in this passage. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. I'm missing some. See if I can jump ahead, I guess. I put this, some scriptures in there before. Now nah, we'll, we'll go on and we'll, we'll keep it in the same spot. All right. Let's keep on going the way we, we have it here. Now turn over, if you would, to Second Timothy chapter 2. 
If you are reading along with us in the scriptures, in the scriptures chapter today, you've been reading in Second Timothy. So we're going to read over some of the verses that you've already already have read. In fact, uh, some of the ones you would have read today, some of you would have read yesterday. Verse uh, fourteen in chapter two: Remind them of these things. And really, the whole the whole thing is phenomenal. I could have just pulled the whole thing out and just read the whole thing to you. It ties in with what we're doing, but I'm just I tried to restrict it some. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, you you are not made priest in the same way that Jesus was made priest. You're not made priest by birth of the tribe of Aaron, but you are made priest because we are of the lineage of Jesus Christ. We're in the family of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, you are a priest. But well, you're not priest because of what you do. The Levites became priests because of they made that stand. But we're not priests for that. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he says, you are basically, you are a priest. Don't go around acting like you're not. Don't act in ways that's, that's, that's uh, less than a priest. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. I'll tell you what, each, we could just spend time on each one of these words, each, each one of these verses. Don't have uh, time to do that here tonight. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid, in other words, they had their end times doctrine wrong. And they messed up the faith of some people. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood, clay, and some of honor, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also, Useful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the Lord, or know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. People in the body of Christ, folks, have been led astray and been taken captive to do the will of the evil one. And yet they think they're doing the things of God. Chapter 3. Now, just so you remember this, 1 Timothy was written to a pastor who was pastoring a church that was growing very fast. And he was teaching them how to raise up leaders and how to pick leaders and, and what to do to handle the growth. 2 Timothy is written to a pastor whose church is increasingly diminishing. And people that were leaders are leaving. The persecution is great. And some have fallen for apostasy reasons. Some have fallen for persecution. But whatever it is, these things are, are going on. Second Timothy 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And I like what somebody said about this. He says, well, if they were in the last days, we're in more. In the, in the last days. <laughs> For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying His power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jamres Janes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. 
But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at the Iconium, Lystra, and what persecutions I endured. Now of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, it's a lot of reading. Just wanted to see the overall part. And of course, if you already read that, Today, there's just a, kind of a double reading for you. But look at verse 2 again in 2 Timothy 3. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. It is a difficult thing for people to not be lovers of themselves. We get into a place where we, we love ourselves more but we think we love God. And there was a verse of Scripture we read in when we were going over the series in Philippians. I have it in your outline for later, but I'm going to read this for you now. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your, for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ. Jesus. For all seek their own. So of all the leaders that that Paul has, Timothy is the only one that he says, he's in a class by himself. He's the only one that does not seek after his own. Look at the, we're not talking about the world, we're talking about people in the church. And Paul says, I only got one guy who's like this. That to me, folks, means at this level it's hard to get to. Because I think most of us are on the ground floor looking up at people like Titus. At people like Barnabas. At people that were side by side with Paul. And we see some of the things that they had done. And we've, we spent time before we are going through Philippians and looked at all the different people that were with him and showed you some of the things that they had gone through. And it was remarkable. And yet he says, I've only got one guy who is so like-minded, like I am. To where we don't care about the things for ourselves. We just care about the things for the kingdom. How hard is it to be at that level? Now here's the thing, folks. We've got to understand that I must be constantly mindful that I can be brought into a place where I am mindful of myself and not the things of God. And apparently, that doesn't disqualify you from being priest. That doesn't disqualify you from being a minister. Because apparently, Paul had a lot of them. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Paul had a lot of people on his team who did not fit the description that Timothy had. When we talked to you before about some of the problems that come into the church because of the priesthood ministry in the Old Testament. And we see some of that same thing going on in the New Testament. The enemy just loves to get you all stirred up about what is your own. Well, I hear from God too. Well, I should be having responsibilities in there. I want to bring fire before the Lord. I want to do this. I'm kind of tired of doing the duties that I am doing in the temple, and I want to do some other things. And we can we can begin to do that. Why? Because we're minded not for the things of God, but for our own things. And um, I tell you what, we got to be careful. I think about it all the time. I go back in the in the days of ministry. When I was a youth pastor and I was an assistant pastor, I says, how many times was I more mindful of my own things than I was for the kingdom of God? Sometimes I even relive some of those things. I said, what was I being mindful of here? How could I have made that better? And I've gone back in there and said, I don't think I did a bad job, but I, I go back and I think, man, I could have done better. I could have, I could have been less mindful of myself in this. I could have stepped back a little bit over it in here but we have to be careful 
Because Paul says of all the folks he's got, only Timothy. Only Timothy is in this, in this category. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. Boy, if you had somebody like that in ministry, and this is uh, towards the end of, of uh, well, that Philippians wasn't quite to the end, but he's getting close anyway. You kind of like to have people like that around you. Well, you want to go over some things here about the superiority of the high priest that Jesus was stepping into. The Levitical priesthood, folks, it brought the law. It came When it comes, it brings in a law. So if you're going to be of the order of Aaron, you're going to be of the order of the Levites, you're going to bring in the law. When you bring in the law, you first of all, the law gives us morality. Doesn't it? If you are a moral person, you are a person who lives up to the law. To the law. law gives us morality. It gives us a natural way of life. But the law does not, does not give you spirituality. Does not give you spirituality. The law can't do it. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He can't do that of the law. He had to get outside of the law. And so we went back to the priesthood of Melchizedek, which was before the law. One that was so great that even Abraham came up and paid tithes to him. And and he came on out and blessed him. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which gives us spirituality. The Holy Spirit brings us into a place of spirituality. It brings us into a place of a supernatural way of life. Not a natural way of life, but a supernatural way of life. Being able to live beyond those things that our senses can touch. It is a supernatural way of life. It is a way that God can speak to us about things that haven't even happened yet. That we can operate by the power of God, not just by our own power. We're not in a natural life. We're in a supernatural existence. That comes from Jesus because He has given us of the Holy Spirit. Morality comes along with it. Galatians, a number of other places in Scripture talk about that if you want to become spiritual, you can't do it through the law, only through the Spirit. That's how you become spiritual. And if we, be, if we follow the Spirit, we will do the things that are in the law. So morality comes along with spirituality, but spirituality doesn't come along with morality. You can be a wonderfully moral person, but not a spiritual one. But if you can become a spiritual person, you will also be a moral, moral one. And here's the last one. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which gives us spirituality, a supernatural way of life. Morality comes along with it, as does perfection and completion. And the verses we read there in Hebrews talked about that, that it brings us to a place of perfection. It brings us to a place of completion. This is what they, this is the kind of thing that God wants for us. He did not want us to go under a priesthood that could only take us so far. He wanted us to go under a priesthood that could take us even further. And in order to do that, we had to get past the law and go back to the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus was going to be of, of Melchizedek. And that's what we were, we would have. So Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which brings us into a place of, Spirituality, a supernatural way of life. Morality comes along with it. Glory to God for that. Amen. Now look here at Second Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit more. I charge you therefore by God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Now he says this to, uh, to Timothy, who was in a church that is shrinking. He says there's, there's going to be people. They won't endure the word. They won't endure sound doctrine. You're going to run into people that are like that. But he says, preach the word. Still stay out there and preach the word. Even if people don't endure it, even if people don't want it, stay out there and preach the word. This is what he's telling them. Keep in mind where Timothy is, what he's going through. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, 
They will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to, to fables. What did the children of Israel do at the mountain? They turned away from sound doctrine. They turned away from what Moses had said, which was, I'm going up, I'm going to hear from God, I'm going to come back down. They turned away from that. And they went their own way. And they made gods for themselves. Even killed some people, it seems. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. He doesn't think he's going to be around too much longer. I have fought the good fight. I have, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. We could keep on going. It was hard for me to pull just to, even though this is a lot of scriptures out of Timothy, it was hard just to stay with those. It's a great book to be reading here this, this week. You'll get chapter four the rest of the way tomorrow. Don't count what we just did here tonight. <laughs> you, you still go back tomorrow and start with verse one and read the whole thing. And, uh, it'll, it'll still bless you. It'll still be good for you. I'm going to do the same thing myself. Even though I've read it more times than you already have here today. <laughs> I've gone over, gone over it several. But I want to be able to say like Paul that I finished the race. I've kept the faith. It's, uh, it's something that we want to get to. But in order for us to be able to do that, we've got to have the mindset that, that Paul does. We've got to have the mindset that Timothy does. We've got to be taking on the priesthood ministry and saying, I am a priest under the high priest of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to live my life in such a way that I am going to um, look like a priest, act like a priest, that people are going to look at me and they're going to say, how can you be a priest and act like that? No, we're not going to do that. I'm going to live my, my life in a certain way. I'm going to do what he says, I'm going to endure sound doctrine. I'm going to be mindful of the kingdom of God. First and foremost, I am going to be mindful of the kingdom of God. But the enemy will constantly come over and he will disguise himself as an angel of light. He will disguise himself as someone who's going to whisper to you, you have gifts. You have called. You should be used over here. You should be doing over here. Don't you want to offer fire before the Lord? Don't you want to go over there and be the high priest and go in there and thought, why can't you be the high priest? You're better than the one, and he'll begin to begin to throw these things out to you. And it sounds good. I want to serve God. I want to do more for God. That's not what we're called to do. We got to make sure we got to stay doing what God. What has God told us to do? And we go out there and we we do it, and we we minister that. Well, one of the things that Paul would tell Timothy, he said, Timothy, don't let people despise your youth, which means it's up to him. Have you ever felt that people despise something about you? That people don't ex- accept something about you? If you do, guess what Paul's saying to you? It's up to you. It's up to you. You got to get to the point where you can, you can hear. I've had people and you know, they, have you ever run into people that uh, they just rub you the wrong way? Have you ever had that? Yeah, we got people nodding all over. Yeah, 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 we had that. Well, I have run into people who rub everybody the wrong way. Everybody they come in contact with, they rub them the wrong way. They have problems with every single person they come in contact with. And the, the fun part is, every single one of these people, and I don't mean there's been one or two, there's been more people than I can count that have this uh, trait about them. But every time I try and talk with them and try and help them out with it, um, it's always the other people's problems. Well, other people are doing this. And other people aren't doing that. We've got to get to the point, folks, where we stop blaming other people. And if there is an issue going on in my life and people are not receiving something from me, guess what? I need to fix it. And I need to, I need to change some of, the, some of those things. I need, to, I need to do something to straighten it out. You know, one of the things that uh, when we have the kids come in, and I love when they fill out the outlines. If you've got kids in there and they're filling them out, I read them. I read over all the ones they did from, from last week, made some notes about it. Because, you know, they'll tell you stuff that you, sometimes the adults won't, won't tell you right off the bat. And so uh, as, you, as you read all the different ones that are there, 
you find out that, you know what, I guess I wasn't quite as clear on what I was trying to say there, because <laughs> they all seem to get something a little bit different. I got to, I could take it like, well, they all just need to listen better. But no, <laughs> that's not the way that it is. I need to find a way to say that better. I need to find a way to make that clearer. And I need to find a way to, 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 um, to fix that. Because if something doesn't come across clearly to people, it's not always their fault. We gotta, we gotta make sure about that. You know, Ethel brought up to, something to me afterwards. She says, I didn't understand this. And she was saying, I said, you know what? I probably didn't explain that right. <laughs> I probably didn't. Because, but I appreciate that hearing that because that's, that just, just because, you know, I've been teaching for a long time doesn't mean that I always explain everything the way that I should. <laughs> Sometimes you can go back there and, and change that. Every once in a while I go back and listen to something and said, oh, I said, I said that's so wrong. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. But we can't always be looking for other people to, to change something. Sometimes it's, it's, we have to make the change ourselves. We can't just blame other people. We're called to be priests. We're called to be ministers of God. We've got a calling on our life. Don't get frustrated with the people that you're, you're ministering with. Now, there's some people you've got to be a little sterner with to get them to understand. I understand. <laughs> and I do know that one. Sometimes, you know, you just want to be gentle with people. Don't you want that? You just want to be gentle. But um, they're just like with little kids. You know, you want to be gentle with them. You know, Johnny, don't run out into the street. And he's kind of playing real close to the street. Johnny, remember, I said, don't run out into the street. And okay, Mom, I, I got it. And so he's playing along again. But, you know, Johnny forgets. And then all of a sudden, you, you're watching him. And you're seeing the ball goes out there. And Johnny's going to run out in the street. And so you see him take off. What do you, are you gentle? You've been gentle the first time. You've been gentle the second time. Maybe the third time. But you see him running out in the street. What do you say? Johnny, don't you dare take a step into that. <laughs> You're a lot firmer with it. Why? Because you don't love him anymore? Now, sometimes you have to be firm because of the love that you have for him. And we got to sometimes be, be firm. And once you get him back in there, and uh, Johnny, you scared me. I'm thinking you're going to run out in the street. I see a car coming. I don't know if you see that car coming, but I see that car coming. And I don't want anything to happen to you. And so, you know, a lot of times that's going on. Johnny's crying. He's all upset because mom yelled at him or dad yelled at him or whatever it might be. And uh, you're over there and you're comforting him. But you have to be you have to be stern. You have to be firm about it sometimes, even though you still love him. But always make sure you come in there with that with that loving part. Don't just let the sternness be out there. But you're called to be a priest. That priest ministry goes with you wherever you go. Not called to be the high priest. We're called to be the priest. We already got the high priest position filled. And he's not dying. He's not going anywhere. We only need one high priest. Throughout all the time, we only had one high priest. Jesus is our high priest. We are the priests that operate underneath him. What role does he need us to, to do? What role does he need us to function in? And that's the thing that we have to do. But I'll tell you, that enemy, Jesus, he just wants to come up and stir us up. Well, your opinion ought to count here. Well, you see, you hear from God and you're hearing these things. That's God speaking to you. And we got to be careful about it. Because we saw in the, we went through the Old Testament. Problems came up because people thought they were hearing from God. And God showed up and says, I'll show you how much you're hearing from God. Zap. Open up the earth, swallow them up. That's how much you're hearing from God. But they thought they were. That's how, that's how good the enemy is at deceiving us. So here's your, your final questions here on this. What kind of mind do we have? Right now, what kind of mind do we have? Do I have a mind set that is more focused on how I'm growing, how I'm benefiting, how things are, are helping me? What kind of mind do we have right now? Here's the other one. What kind of mind will we have? If Timothy was the only one who was like-minded, don't you think it should have been a goal for the other ones? I'm going to become like Timothy. I'm going to become like Paul. I'm going to be in, in, in that kind of a way. Don't you think that would have been their, their goal? Well, our goal has to be a similar thing. I've got to become less minded of myself and more mindful of the things of God. If in Paul's day, and Paul was a great teacher, 
He was a great apostle. He was a great minister. And if under him, only one person came to that level. Whew. I'm going to say it's pretty tough to get to that level. So I'm going to approach every day like I don't have that level just yet. Father God, I need you to expose in my life how it is I am not of the mindset that I need to be. I'm still more mindful of Steve. I'm still more mindful of what I'm doing, what I need, instead of the things that God needs. I've got to become more mindful of that. And the more we adapt that, the the easier it is for us to receive instruction from other people. I know some people uh, around, they won't receive instruction, period. You cannot tell them. Cannot tell them anything. They know it. And there's always, of course, a sliding scale. you got people that are, are certainly are receptive and people that are resistant. You know, there's a sliding scale. There's people, you, you, you fall somewhere in there. And I'm sure we don't stay at the same spot all the time. We're probably going backwards and forwards and <laughs> getting better and, and maybe get a little bit worse and maybe a little bit better. But stay mindful of the things of, of God. Always be teachable. And let God, when you're before God, God, I know that there's some traits that's keeping me from being like Timothy. That's keeping me from being like Paul. But I want to get to where I'm like Paul. I'm like Timothy. And I'm not mindful of the things of myself. I'm mindful only of the things of God. Bring me to that place. Father, we thank you that you bring us to a place of ministry as a priest where we function and we do the things that are necessary for your kingdom. That we are mindful of the things of the kingdom not the things of ourselves. Help us to get to that place. Boy, when you bring us, you develop us, and we move along here, we can look back and we can see some things. Oh, I can't believe how much I was mindful of my own things. I didn't know it. But I can see it now. Father, we want to stay open for your instruction, for your help. We want to be those people that endure sound doctrine, that endure the Word, that endure whatever rebuke needs to come our way to keep us in the direction that we need to go. I thank you for it. We give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.